Say the presence of God. I'm so excited about this, this series. I think this is uh, installment or <laughs> message number three. And uh, what is it that makes the Christian different from all of the religions in the world? It is the very presence of God. Because the presence of God is, we've learned, it's powerful, tangible, and personal. The presence or his presence will not only change you, but will impact everyone around you. That's the power of his presence. That's the power of face-to-face with God. That's the power of his spirit. And I believe it's time for the church, our church, for churches, for people who name the name of Christ, to seek his presence like never before. Because why? Because there's a harvest of hurting people coming into our lives. You might be hurting right now, but God wants to heal you in his presence. God wants to strengthen you in his presence so that you can be the next healing, helping hands to someone who's in need. But we cannot help them in our own strength. We need a supernatural touch from God to accomplish what lies ahead. We need the presence of God. We need, we need him to show up in such a powerful way that we can't, our, uh, uh, we can't explain it with our minds. And I've said this before, I, I think that, that, that it's good to learn and it's good to be educated about, about God. There's no doubt, but I'll tell you something. I think sometimes we're way more overeducated and we're under-experienced with the presence of God. That's just true. You know, the Bible says that no one teach you except the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if I just yield my life to him and if I walk with him and I trust him and I yield myself to the Holy Spirit, I wonder how much the Holy Spirit can do in five minutes that could take five years across from a therapist. Nothing wrong with therapists. God bless them. God bless all those people who have great knowledge. But I wonder what could happen with five minutes of a heart completely surrendered to the presence of God. Well, I know it could happen because I've seen it happen. I've seen, I've seen my life, I've seen people's lives change just by saying, you know what? I can't do this, Lord, but you can. And so I surrender all. We ended last week with this truth. The presence of God is personal. This is God's initial goal for his presence in our lives in, in that it takes one simple yet powerful touch from God and your life will be changed forever. Listen, I don't want to come to church just to have church. I don't want you to come to church for me just to give you information. I want you to come to church to be transformed, to have transformation. That's what I want. And that's what you want, right? You want that. It only takes one simple touch. It only takes one heart saying, you know what? I don't want to go through a religious duty anymore, a duty. I don't want to go through, uh, through my, uh, with my own strength. I want something real, and I want something powerful and radical in my life. And, and my friends, he is called the presence of God. <laughs> but, but it's personal. And this is the message today that... that um, might step on a few steel-toed shoes uh, or bare feet, but I'll tell you something. This, this, is, the, this is the moment today that, that, that we choose to begin to walk into the very presence of God. We just say, you know what? I'm not afraid. I want everything you want, got for me, God. I, I, I'm just going to follow you with, with, with uh, reckless abandon. That, that's what this message is about today. So if you, if, if you don't want this, you can leave right now. Just go ahead and leave. No, <laughs> just kidding. It's not going to hurt. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt a little bit, but it's, it's going to hurt for a good reason. So I told you the story about how I mow my grass every week, and I, I ride by this pear tree, and the pear tree, throughout all the years we've been there, four years we've been in our house, the pear tree is this tiny pear tree. It, it doesn't, it looks, it's diseased, it looks diseased, it's got gray stuff all over it, just, it's not healthy. And every year there's like one or two shriveled up pears that kind of make their way out of this tree. And I thought, I thought, well, you know, 
this is the year I'm going to uproot that thing and throw it away because I'm going to get a brand new pear tree. I realize that my, my, my yard is mainly sand, so they probably didn't put enough dirt around for the roots to grow down and be healthy. I realized that. Someone told me that. And so I said, this is probably the year that I'm going to dig it up, get another tree, and then I'm going to put a brand new tree there. And so I'm driving by with, my, with, with, the, uh, with the, uh, the mower one day, and I just stop. And I see this tree. I said, well, number one, it looks bad because there's dead branches coming out of it. He goes, I'm just going to go cut, the, I'm going to go, I'm going to cut the branches out. And really only cut a couple small branches, but there's one big branch right in the middle that came up. And I said, that thing needs to go. So I took my lobbers, I cut it off, and I scraped the gray matter off of the bark, just scraped it. This, this only took about three minutes, tops. Got on my mower, went my way. For the, for the next few weeks, I would mow my grass, and all of a sudden, oh, by the way, let me show you the picture of the pear, the, the one little shriveled up pear, the, the one little pear that usually came out right there. Look at that guy. He's like, what am I doing here? Just a shriveled up pear and, and, and just a, a lone pear sitting in a tree. And, I, and after I pruned it, after I hit this made main branch, I want to show you, a few weeks later, look what started to happen. Do you see those pears in there? One pear, there's a bunch of them in there. It's hard to see, but one, two, I see like, uh, you know, seven or eight, nine pears in that one little section of the tree. I thought, what in the world? How did this happen? God, this is, this is crazy to me. And all of a sudden, you'll find out that I, I, I went out there the other day on Monday, 9-9, and I... And I, I, I'll show you what, what I gathered. I gathered one quarter of the tree, one quarter of that tree, one-fourth of that tree is in a bowl. I don't eat them. We actually throw them. Levi and I get them. We bring them in the house. We try to throw them into our fire pit. But, and then the deer can have them. So don't get, yeah. But you guys, this is a powerful example of one simple choice to enter his presence. His presence is loving and caring, but his presence is pruning and removing. I'm not as interested in the outward gifts as I am the inward change. Let me say it again. I'm not as interested in the outward gifts as I'm interested in the inward change. That tree needed something to happen on the inside because it was not producing any fruit. And the moment I showed it a little bit of, even a little bit of rough, tender care, like scraping that off and chopping that branch off is only when that pear tree started to do what it was always called and created to do. It's destiny. Make pears, right? Not a shriveled up little pear, but many, many pear, pears, pear. I'm not as interested in the outward gifts as I am in the inward change. Because what is happening on the inside will no doubt be made known on the outside. Let's just begin here for a moment. I want to bridge the gap of this whole series about bridging the gap from, from, from getting us to one point where we know we're not in the presence of God. We, we, we realize that something just isn't cutting it with my life. And I want to get you from point A to point B. So that point B is the experience of all that God has for you in his presence, love, joy, peace. Provision, healing, all those things that God has for us, we know in our mind, but we haven't quite gotten in our hearts. Anybody here today? So let me just quickly run you through, obviously, what we many of us know, but I want you to show a picture. I want to bridge a gap. Jesus is the bridge and the solid rock beneath our feet. That's just it. There's point A, point B is over here. It's a little unknown to you, but I'll tell you right now, when you get to that other side, when you find yourself in the presence of God, you'll be changed forever. He's perfect theology. He's the doorway and the pathway to the very presence of God. So if you want to be in the presence of God, then just look at his life and hear his words. Receive them and respond to him. The presence of God begins and ends simply with a personal relationship with Jesus. Let me say it. It begins and ends with a personal relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we start good and then all of a sudden we drift off and we're in love with the church. And we're in love with ministry. We're in love with this or that or blah, blah, blah. And no, 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 just stay in love with Jesus. 
from beginning to end. See, Jesus is the bridge, and when we willingly surrender our lives to Jesus, the very presence of God himself comes to live inside of us. We call that the indwelling presence of God. So every person that believes in Jesus has all of God living in them. The presence of God is in them. But here's a reality check. We we, we then soon find out that the freedom that we've been given through Jesus is a fight to keep. I said before, gifts are free, but maturity is expensive. I'll say it this way. It's easy to fall in love, but it takes work to walk in love. And, and, and so I want you to know that up front. I'm giving you some little bit of hard things, but I, I want to just give you the truth because it's easy to fall in love, but, it's, but it takes work to walk in love. Many genuine Christians live on this side, point A, gave their hearts to the Lord, but they, and and they're so searching for the presence of God, but they haven't quite understood that you just got to walk with Jesus, walk over the bridge of who he is, the foundation of who he is, and walk towards the very presence in and towards the presence of God. Seek God but we tend to live in the past with our failures, regrets, wounds, not realizing the unlimited gifts and potential from God that just lie ahead. Let me tell you something. There's something that just lies ahead, just ahead. So can can we all move forward together towards God? So I've discovered a few things, that the presence of God is a battle of wills. Please stay with me. And I've noticed three things about the battle. God battles for you, God battles with you, and God battles in you. With you, be still, for the Lord is fighting for you. I love that verse when I feel like I can't go any further, Exodus 14, 14. Be still and know the Lord is fighting for you. I love that verse. And all of a sudden, God will say, Dan, I put a stone in your hand called the Word of God. I put worship in your life. I put put the blood of Jesus, and I, I want you to go out and kill Goliath right now. I'm with you, Dan. I'm with you, but I want you to go sling that stone. That's God battling with you. But all of a sudden, there's God battling in you. We're like, what in the world is going on? I didn't know, God, that this was happening. I didn't know, God. And by the way, sometimes all three happens. God battling for you, God battling with you, and God battling in you. Maybe they all three happen at the same time, all the time. I don't know. But this is the key. When God begins to move inside of your hearts, my hearts, in a battle, not a battle because he has something against you, a battle because he has something against the enemy who wants to keep us stuck in point A and not get to point B, his presence. It's simply a surrender of our free will to God. You surrendered your free will this morning. You know that? You said, hey, I'm going to church. <laughs> you, you, you had a choice. Everyone has a choice. We all have free will choices. You know what? I'm going to church. I think that the Spirit of God spoke to you. You're led by the Spirit. Like, you know, I'm going to church. I feel like something today that I just need to hear from that awesome Pastor Dan. He's incredible. No, just kidding. You had a, made a free will decision. Good job. Way to go. Great job. Great job. So did I. I could have stayed home, did like a podcast from my pajamas. Free will, please, please don't miss this because this is, this is really, this is how it all begins. This is how the presence of God moves in a person's life. Free will is the one thing that God has given us that will get us what we need. Hmm. But most people are really living to get what they want. Instead of giving God what he wants. First, we must be willing to ask this question. Here's the question, and if you want to, 
You, if, you, if you feel like you want to leave, don't, don't, because I want you to hear this question. You can leave after, the, after you answer this question. This is the question. This is the million-dollar question that allows people to experience the presence of God throughout their life, and that is this. God, what do you want? Not what I need. Not what I want. God, what do you want? What do you want? Today I'm heading to work, God. What do you want? Today I'm leading my business, God. What do you want? Today I'm buying groceries. What do you want? God, today I'm taking care of my children. What do you want? I'm going to school, God, today. What do you want? Most of us, without even knowing it, schedule God into our week instead of giving him our entire schedule. There's no condemnation. It's just we've been distracted. We've, we've, God loves us. Easily distracted. Easily distracted. So I say, God, what do you want? What do you want in my marriage? What do you want? See, when you can, when you can answer that question, I tell you, you'll begin walking in God's presence everywhere you go. Our lives have to be about him. Church has to be about him. This is a free will choice that all humans are given to make. So let me say this. Free will was given to us to find out what God wants. That's it. Free will is given to every person to find out not what we want, not my destiny. What, God, what do you want? Say this, say, say this with me. Say, God, what do you want? See, when you win the battle of what God wants, then you win and the people around you win. And the kingdom wins. It's a win-win situation. Jesus said, giving up your life is a win. Gaining the world is a loss. Well, then what in the world does this have to do with the presence of God? Good question. Do you know what the fall was all about? It was a battle of wills. A battle of wills for the presence of God. It was a willful, on one part, a willful refusal to worship God. A willful refusal to enter the presence of God. You guys still here? His name was Lucifer. You heard about him. Call him devil, Satan, Lucifer, Slewfoot, you know, whatever, whatever. whatever. Whatever you want to say, but the truth is, his name was, was, was given Lucifer, but his name means morning star. This is very key. His name is morning star. Jesus' name was the bright and morning star. In other words, there's no the in front of Lucifer. He's just one of a morning star. He's not the bright and morning star. He's a morning star. And I guarantee that all of a sudden, Lucifer says, that just doesn't cut it. I want to be the morning star. I want to I have that title before my name. So Lucifer begins to talk smack behind God's back. He whispers to angels who are already close to him and convinces them to follow his lead and begins his famous speech called, I say this, I have a scheme. I have a scheme. That's, that's what it was. And this, is, this was his speech, his famous speech in Isaiah 14, 13 through 14. He says, for I, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I have a scheme. That was a scheme. He wanted to rule over all. He wanted to get all the credits. Those are considered the five I wills of Satan himself. So again, the fall of mankind was a battle of wills and fights for the presence of God. Because we know what happened is when Adam and Eve made that decision to 
to, to be disobedient to God and said, God, you can eat everything you want, but don't eat of that tree. And they ate of the tree, and next thing you know, they, were, they, they had to hide from the presence of God. There was something that came in between God and man. It was a battle of wills for the very presence of God. Lucifer just got sick of God's presence. He became bitter and hard-hearted. So he tricked one-third of all the angels and then deceived Adam and Eve. And all of a sudden, the perfect presence of God was blocked because of sin. Lucifer stopped asking the question, God, what do you want? God, what do you want? It's the greatest question you can ask when your head hits the pillow and when you wake up in the morning. God, what do you want? God, what do you want? What do you want? So it happened, but God had a plan. And by the way, he didn't have a plan B. He had one plan. His name was Jesus. One plan. His name was Jesus. Jesus to come and save us, but the other part of his plan was to find, here we go, true worshipers who worship him in his presence and in truth. True worshipers who worship in spirit, and here's the verse, if you don't believe me, John 4, 23. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here right now, right now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit or in his presence, because where his spirit is, his presence is, and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Good job, you guys. Way to go. You made a free will decision to honor God today. I'm telling you, it's awesome. You made a free will decision to say, you know what? I want to I be a true worshiper. I want to take my will, conform it to God's will, so that I can walk with God and find out what he wants. Good job. Way to go. Proud of you guys. So it must have infuriated Lucifer or Satan to watch God hand over the worship leader duties to us, the ones he formed from the dirt. Yeah, yeah, you know, if, if Emily ever called me a dirtbag, she's right. She hasn't yet. But I was formed from the dirt. That must have infuriated Satan because, because he, it was his job to worship God and to willfully be in his presence, and he chose not to, and God just picked up a pile of dirt. And he said this. Here's my next worship leader. Dirt. Here it is. You probably thought, really? That guy that you're going to make right there? That guy, that, guy that, that, that you've made, that lady that you've made, those are going to be the ones that lead us into the presence of God? I'm sure it made him so mad. So God is looking for worshipers. God is looking for people to say, God, what do you want? So the presence comes, comes down to this, the battle of my will versus his will. What is the will? It's the inner man. It's the heart and mind. That's what the will means. It's the decision of the mind, the decision of the heart. It's a choice. So I want to give you five wills really quickly. Our five wills. Our five wills that bring us into the presence of God. Don't you want to know? I don't want to follow my will. That's what Lucifer followed his will, my will, his own will. No, I want to follow his will. But here's here five wills that you can bring into your life and you can have and you can put them in your heart. You can walk with God making these declarations. And I guarantee you God will lead you over and over through and through his presence. Five wills. God, I am willing to get close. Say I'm willing to get close. Just start that way. It's an intimate moment because as you know, we're heading for a wedding we're called the bride of Christ. We're heading to be with Jesus, who is the groom. Yes, men, you can call yourself a bride. But I know that that time when I was with Emily, 
I, I'd be honest with you, I was a little bit of deer in the headlights, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're getting married, because all the people, you get kind of nervous, and you, you, what am I saying? And, but I'll tell you something right now. There was a, there was a part of that that was very special and intimate um, to me, which I, that I'll never forget. Um, the wedding vows, when I said them, it's almost like time stood still. I'm like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. And, and I'm going to, I, I, I fell in love with you, Emily, but now I'm going to learn how to walk in love. And, but it meant, it meant a lot to me. Those vows meant a lot to me. And some, when they get to the wedding, it's just simply deer in the headlights. Some are just waiting for the party to start. Some view the vow as a formality, while others speak their vow from their hearts even with tears, willing to get close. I'll never forget a, a, true, a true friend of mine just passed away uh, a few months ago. I, I was so privileged to do his funeral. It just uh, meant so much to me. It, it's, it's sad. I cry because he's not with, with me anymore because I could call him and, you know, he's in his 80s and he's just lived life and, and I got to, so his wife passed away, and I, I got to also do his wedding, which happened about a year prior to him passing away. And, and, uh, and I went down and married him. And at, when, we got, when we got to the vows, he just blubbered. He blubbered. He just cried. And I just, we just stood there, and I know it was awkward, but I said, Johnny, I said, this is awesome. Because he was crying because he was so happy that God would bless him with this amazing, amazing wife and that God would bless him again after all of his troubles. And, and, uh, and he had a great year, my friends, great year, and he went to be with the Lord. But that was the most important part of the wedding to him. It wasn't my cute little five-minute story. It was the fact that he could get to that moment and he could make those vows and just weep. I got to see Emily in the sanctuary prior to our wedding. It was stunning. We got to pray together. We held hands, and I was just mesmerized. Your closeness means so much to me. The, the, the fact that you would strive to be close to God means more to me than you'll ever know. When I see someone's life and they're talking about their personal relationship with Jesus, it makes me so happy. It feels like I think I'm doing my job or I'm doing something right. I'm teaching them what God wants me to teach them. It means a lot to me. But know this, that the presence of God is all about closeness. But the truth is I can't say that everybody wants closeness. Because the presence of God is confrontational. The presence of God is confrontational. In a sense, God wants to remove the things that harm us. But in the same way, God wants to lift us out. Away from the things that also harm us. That, that pear tree. I love Rich's uh, analogy. It's so powerful months ago, a few months ago, where he said that, you know, the scripture that says um, God, God prunes branches and he, and, he, and he throws them away. And it seems like he's very harsh, but what, what, what he said, the picture that God's doing, he's taking, taking the healthy part of you, he's lifting it up, carefully nurturing, being tender to you because he knows that you're up against something that's not good for you. It could be harmful. He goes, I'm just gonna tenderly lift you up away from that, Dan, and I'm gonna clip that branch so that you can bear more fruit. Now, that's the accurate picture of our God. That's it. But I, if you know human beings, and maybe you've been here too many times, we'd rather fight with God then receive his favor. Yes, it's going to be challenging. Yes, it will be messy. When Jesus, Jesus shows up with a message, it gets messy. When the fire of God gets close, the snakes come out. But we can be willing just to say, God, I want to get close to you. 
God will not hurt you. I love the fact, and I don't like the fact that when Jesus, or when God breathed into that worship leader, that dirt, and he formed Adam, it says he breathed into his nostrils. <laughs> Ooh, ee. But just like God doesn't care, God doesn't care how messy your life is. He wants to come so close. He wants to resurrect your life. He wants to get you to the place he's always created you to be. He wants you to produce fruit like you've never imagined, never knew you could before in your life. But he's got to get close. He's got to breathe life into you. Longing to connect us in a deeper way. Look at Hosea 6, 6. Try to get through these as quickly as I can. I want to show love. I want you to show love, he says, not to offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. One verse says that God desires that we would grope after him. It means feel for him. Truth is we might be spending too little time groping and way too much time griping. Let's grow for God. Let's go for God. So say this with me now at that point. Say, God, I will get close. And say this, God, I'm willing to say yes. <laughs> See, I'm willing to say yes. Even before I just explain it, just, just trust me. I hear too many maybes in the church. Too many maybe. Maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that, maybe. And I'll tell you something, maybe is the devil's playground. Indecision will always bring confusion. If let me pray about it is always your go-to phrase, then something is wrong. Well, let me pray about that. Well, let, let, me, you know, let me pray about that. Well, let me pray about praying about that. Well, let me pray about praying about praying about that. No. Just say yes. You should already be praying. And when someone asks you to help, you should simply say yes. Come on. Jesus doesn't teach us to pray about it. He just says go. Don't overthink it. Just do it. Just give it. He says this in Luke 6, 29 through 30. I love this. Luke 6, he says, if someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. Say yes. If someone demands your coat, give them your shirt also. Say yes. He says, give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Ouch. I've said maybe too many times, and I've said no when God said, just say yes, Dan. Don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. Something great is about to happen. So Jesus didn't come to the disciples and say, hey, guys, I want you to pray about something. I got this great commission. Pray about it, though. It's about going and making disciples. It's about healing the sick. It's about loving all people, forgiving all people. Pray about it. Not. <laughs> he just said, just say yes. 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 I have pictures that go with these. We could put them up with a handshake or something. Just say yes. If only I can touch him, she said. Her life was all about her, her, her healing, her deliverance, her freedom. She tried everything else. She had nothing, and then she tried him, his will, the woman with the issue of blood, his presence. She agreed with God, and she got healed. She said yes. She finally said yes to the right thing. Let, let, let me help you guys right now with something very, very simple. So many times we say, well, maybe, maybe I'll do that. And you're not sure. We're, we're so afraid to take risks in life that we worry. We, we, we worry a lot about it. But I'm saying just get all your worrying over. Get down, talk to God, make a decision, and never worry about it again. A lot of times we make a decision, then we were, oh, did I make the right decision? Did I do the right thing? Da -da 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 -da. No, God says don't. Don't worry about it. Just make the decision. Just let your yes be yes, right? Just, just, just let your yes be yes. Just make a decision and then move on saying, you know what? Hey, thank you, God. Never do your worrying after the decision. Do it before. Get it over with, right? But never after. 
never after. Just say yes. Yes can be tough because here's the truth about yes. We can't control the result of yes. We can control the result of no. Hey, Dan, can I, uh, can I come over today and, and uh, hang out with you? No. <laughs> but what if God said, why don't you say yes? Because I can control no. Well, what, what if they come over? What if they bring their whole family? What if they bring Uncle Bob and Aunt Sue? What if I don't have enough? What if, what if, what if, maybe, maybe, what if, what if, what if? Never happens, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, just say yes. I'm trying to help you. Don't fear. I can't tell you how many times I'd said no, and I said, you know what? <laughs> and sometimes I'm just too tired. I'll say yes. I feel like I have nothing. And I go there. I'm like, that was awesome. I'm so glad I said yes. I could have never said yes to Emily because of the way I grew up. I didn't grow up, you know, in, a, in, a, in, a, in the model home, and we had a lot of abuse and things. I thought I could never be a good husband or a good father. I could have said no. I could have dragged my feet for years. But I finally said yes. So glad I said yes. When you say yes to more of the Spirit, the results are powerful. When you're willing to do what you're, listen to this, when you're willing to do what you know you're unqualified to do, that's what qualifies you. I know it's a tongue twister. When you're willing to do that you know what you know you're unqualified to do, that's when God qualifies you. Do you think I was ready to lead past this church? Absolutely not. There's no way. But God qualified me. He goes, Dan, I'm going to teach you some on-the-job training, some perseverance. I'm going I'm to show you how great I am. I'm the Jehovah Jireh. I said, Lord, okay. I just said yes. Yes. And I do not regret saying yes at all. Has been hard, yes, because the gift is free, but maturity is expensive. You guys still here? Just say yes. And then say this God, I'm willing to get down. What do you mean, Pastor Dan? Are we going to dance right now? Yeah, go for it. Willing to get down. I get down. I think it was. Uh, who is the band that's saying, I get down, he lifts me up, I get down, he lifts me up, I get down, he lifts me up, I get down. Have you heard that one? That's, I'm, I'm dating myself. I know I'm a little older, older worship music, but Sonic Flood, was that it? No, Audio Adrenaline, thank you, thank you. There's something very powerful that occurs when you get down on your knees. Now, I would, I would, I would encourage you this, just put a pillow down there. It'll feel better. Not your bare knees. Just put a pillow down there, put your, put your knees. But I'm telling you, there's the, the first time I got on my knees, the very first time I got down on my knees to worship God and pray, the first time, it was one of the most powerful things I've ever done. And some people just, just can't do it. They can't bring themselves low, bring themselves down. I mean, in this place, I know there's, maybe there's some of you thinking, gosh, I can't wait to get out of here. I'm sorry that you feel that way, but that's not my issue. That's a heart issue. That's simply a heart issue. That is a heart issue. Get, get your heart, bring it low. And one way you do this, get a pillow, get down by your, in private, I'll do it right, I'll show you how to do it. You get down, you put your knees on the ground like that, and you say, God, what do you want? What's your will? What do you want? I know I'm doing some things, this and that. I got some plans, but God, what do you want? And I will tell you right now that the presence of God will come into your life so quickly. The presence of God is found on your knees. Try it in private. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this. 1 Peter 5, 6. If you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. When was the last time you bowed before God? Try it. One of the quickest ways to experience God's presence in your heart and to influence your will is to simply get down on your knees. The pathway into his presence is paved with humility. Remember what, the, what Luther said? I will ascend. I will ascend. No, no. You know what we say? I will get down. I will get low. I will get low. 
I will get low. This isn't a sad message, by the way. You should be having like, yeah, I'm giving you the keys. I'm showing you that when you change your will from your will to God's will, God will come and meet you and you'll experience him like never before. I will get down. A couple more, we're almost done. I'll get down and I am willing to open up. My friends, honesty is still the best policy. It's still the best policy. The difference between stepping into God's presence and not is simply this, willing to open up. Willing to confess, willing to be honest about your life. I'm not saying honest about other people's lives. That's gossip. Well, let me tell you about so-and-so. Let me tell you what's wrong with so No, 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 no. God hates that. He hates gossip. But I'm talking about your heart, your life. Why are you sad? Why are you depressed? Why are you hurting? Just talk about it. Say, God, why? Tell him. Open up. Open up. It's a choice to open up. The rewards are waiting. I get it. It seems easier to protect ourselves and keep keep it inside other than just opening up. And I found that when life happens, when tough times happen, it's either survival mode or surrender mode. But the kingdom of God is not the survival of the fittest. It's a surrender of our weakness. Open up. Open up. Open up. Open up. Open up. Open up your heart. Is it okay for God to come in? And lastly, I will open up, Lord. I will open up. Just say, God, I will open up. I'll talk about it. I've seen people hold things in their whole life and grow old quick. I've seen it. When you open up and you confess, you confess your own stuff, I've seen people become, take five, 10 years back to their life. They become young looking again because they're getting rid of pride and bitterness and shame. They're just just getting rid of it. And all of a sudden, their face starts to glow again. You can tell a lot about a person's face. Take a look at a face. You can tell something's going on in their life. That's it. I always want to look in the mirror and say, well, how am I doing today? And if I'm like this, something's wrong. I've, I've got to say, God, what, 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 why am I, am I stressed? Am I worried? Am I anxious? Am I fearful? Well, guess what I got to do? I got to open up. I got to open up. And lastly, we got to be willing to let go. Say, willing to let go. The doors of his presence open with surrender, a constant waving of the white flag, a willingness to let go. It's a common theme through the whole Bible. If you want change in your life, if you want forgiveness and peace and joy that you've never known before in the presence of God, it requires total surrender. You already know how to do it. You know how to surrender. Just go get on a plane. Go take a trip somewhere. You get on that plane, you're completely surrendered to that pilot on that plane. You can't get off, right? You're already good, you're already good at it. You're good at it. How about this? You, you, you need surgery? Go put yourself under the care of a physician and get on that operating table. You can't do anything about it. You have just surrendered your whole life to that physician. You're really good at it, aren't you? So what's the big deal to surrender to God? Letting go Letting go and having God change your life. And here's one of the biggest things as we finish. The letting go isn't just letting go of, of my life necessarily. It's, it's letting go of the dead branch. It's letting God prune the dead branch. It's letting God get in your heart and say, Dan, I, 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 this needs to go. This, this, this thing that you're dealing with, this, this heart, this, this bitter heart or this, this unforgiveness, this, this hurt, this wound, this pride, Dan, this has got to go. And that's a will thing, you guys. That's a decision. I will let go. Show me that picture one more time with Jesus as the bridge. I want to I finish with this. 
Here's what people struggle with when, they, when we think about this bridge. So many people are on this side right here, held down with baggage of fear, lust, you name it, shame, pride. They're stuck. They're carrying so much baggage, and they don't realize that they're supposed to walk towards Jesus, lay that stuff down right in the middle and walk towards God. You can't, you can't get to where God wants you to get to if you're holding on and said, get rid of it. Here's the verse, my friends. Hebrews 12, 1 says, and, and all for, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. We must let go of every wound that has pierced, pierced us and sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll able to run towards God. Then we'll able to do everything God's called us to do. Then we'll be able to find the path that's marked out before us. Then if we let it go. Now, I'm not here to tell you what your sin is. I'm not talking about, we're all sinful. I'm talking about the thing that you know that's hiding in the dark, the thing that you know that you hate, the thing that you know that you're not letting God have in your life. I don't know what it is. I don't need to know God already knows he's omnipresent, but he's saying, if you want more, if you want more of me, if you want to be free and joyful in your life, then you gotta let it go. Let it go. Are you living in sin now? Are you carrying sins of your past? Are you worried about the future? Put your sins, as Brother Lawrence said, betwixt yourself and God. It's an old time, betwixt, between. Put them right now, right now. Uh, one more time, that picture of Jesus. You've got to put them where God always wanted them to put them between God. Uh, let, let, me, let me just, they, they have to be there. They have to be placed on Jesus right? You can't carry them. You weren't called to carry those sins. You weren't called to. It's not healthy. It stretches you out. You weren't called to carry those sins. That's, that, that's me trying to be God. Jesus is the one who wants to do it. Will you give it to him? Will you give the thing, the, the, the thing that someone that hurts you in the past and you say, man, I can't let it go. I keep thinking about what they did to me over and over again. Listen, let it go. Let it go right now. Because it's taken lie, it's taken years off of your life. It's a choice. I will. Say, I will let it go. God, I will let it go. Your sin, the, the, I'm talking about the thing that you're living in that you hate. Every time you fall into it, you feel like you can't do anything about it. And then when you get done, you're like, I hate that. And then you, and then you fall into the trick to say, I hate myself, and that's wrong. That's wrong. God doesn't hate you. God hates the sin. God doesn't want you to be bound. He hates it. So will you let it go? So we're just going to end this way. Your choice to say, I will get close. I will, God. I will get down. I will, God, let it go. I will say yes, God. I will. It's, it's your choice. I will. I will. Will you? Will you? It's a powerful thing. Powerful thing. So we're going to end by you just saying that to God. What is it in your life that you know as we have ended that you need to let go? And then, God, what do you want from me? What do you want? So we can bow your heads for a moment. I knew this message would be a little direct, but uh, it's the message that if you receive it in your heart, God will set you free. You can have your joy again. You can have life again. You can, you can find uh, peace again. Some of you don't even know what peace is, and God wants you to experience the peace that passes understanding. And it is simply, would you put your life where it needs to be in Christ? Would you take the thing that you struggle with, that God knows he loves you, and would you put it betwixt you and God? And that's on Jesus put it on Jesus. Tell him he can have it. Lord, I don't want that anymore because I want to experience more of you. 
Just tell him. In your mind, you're thinking about it. God loves you so much. Give you my life. Give you my heart. Give you my family. Give you my children. I give you my marriage. I surrender my marriage to you, Lord God. Anything that might be holding me back, I surrender my unbelief. God, help me to believe. Oh, God, help me. He hears your prayers. He hears you. 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 He hears your specific prayer right now. Sir, if you struggle with a habit that you know is destroying you, will you, will you let it go right now? Just let it go. Tell him. Ma'am, are you worried all the time? Are you fearful? Would you let it go? Let it go. Let it go. Lord, I thank you for every prayer that's been prayed. You hear the minds, you hear the words, and I'm believing, God, that as we make a vow to you, a declaration, I will, I will, God, follow you. I will follow you into your presence. I will say yes. I will get close, God. I will let go, Lord Jesus. I will get down on my knees, God. I will, I will, I will. Lead us, God. Outside of these four walls, lead us into the places you want us to go and let us say, God, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? In Jesus' name, amen.